0: So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows updated with linky links to ticky tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir, love, with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Me. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on merchandise.
1: What up, Team Jack? Episode 19. We have no title. We'll have a title by the end. This is how it goes. Just like a shrink session. Don't go in with any agenda. No crying. Don't talk about your mother again, Alonzo. <laughs> um, Leave my mother out of this. <laughs> with us, as always, Matt Cohen. Yep. Um, and our uh, special team member this week. I think continuing the... Um, well, were you a fan? I, or you hit my radar with the whole Team Jack thing with like some post maybe on twitter or whatever like oh how have i not heard about this yeah podcast you you or i saw
2: you posted something on facebook and i was like what i had no idea oh, right. the show even existed you right. we were like 15 episodes in right. or something right it's like
3: we're very popular is what he's trying to say no but i mean i usually <laughs> yeah, exactly. know what's
2: going on in jack world and somehow i
3: had that's because
1: it. you'd uh finally uh unblocked my posts <laughs> you resubscribe to my posts on your wall on you your facebook wall know. exactly <laughs> um do you want to give all of our uh listeners your cv yeah, Because I'm, you're actually you the most qualified for introduced all of us me yet? <laughs> i said alonzo duralde oh, okay I wasn't didn't true. i i don't know you didn't say his last name alonzo duralde <laughs> who i think kind of looks like i'm looking at him and he kind of looks—he's like got a little George Lucas thing going on, doesn't he? Oh
2: God, Cohen, <laughs> fat, fat guy with Am beard and glasses, that? and I'm wearing a flannel a shirt thick, today. Thick, so.
0: You got the flannel shirt. Thick yeah.
1: head of um, graying hair <laughs> of American graffiti. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, okay. Hello, are Super, super thick of? salt. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: okay. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for having me. Take this, us this back nice. to the beginning. I'm. I'm. Well, no. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll. The be, I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm I am i I'm the film critic for TheRap.com, and uh with my partner Dave White we do a podcast every week called Linoleum Knife where we talk about new movies. Linoleum Linoleum Knife.
1: That's a good title.
2: It's uh it's a reference to the um Mastodon song at the beginning of the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie. Of course.
1: <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> it and makes basically sense to you. you just you just um qualified yourself for this. spot. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. Well, I figured I had to I had to show my cred early, you know. Yeah. Uh and I also do a a I'm, I'm part of a movie review show on the Young Turks network on on YouTube called What the Flick.
1: That's right. With
2: with uh Ben Mankowitz from TCM and right. Christy Lemire from Associated Press and Ebert Presents of the Movies and Matt Achety who's the editor in chief of Rotten Tomatoes.
1: RottenTomatoes.com. Not fans of Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1. Who? I did watch that episode. Oh, 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 well. The three of you <laughs> So let the record show we welcome alternate views. I, I want to be, be really clear here.
2: that I said <laughs> in that review that the that, that this movie was as good as it was ever going to be because Bill Condon
1: directed it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we're just to just point. putting that out there. Um but over the years you've been ev- you've been everywhere. I mean, you've been <laughs>
2: uh yeah i'm the bad penny i i used to write reviews for msnbc.com right i have done film festival work i'm a a programmer at outfest and i'm a consultant for
1: just uh, the gay los angeles gay and lesbian film festival festival. right and uh, you're a published author
2: i'm a published author i've written two books 101 must-see movies for gay men and have yourself a movie little christmas
1: did you not do it you've never done a book on movie locations have you no okay maybe you should you know, I, Maybe you should I, do a book on gay movie locations. Oh God. I
2: don't know that I'm ever
3: doing another book. Is From there... gay movies or just locations that are gay?
1: Such as... let's. <laughs> if, <laughs> I choose, totally matters. Matters. if I, I kinda, choose column B, Matt, if I choose column B, give myself, me an example. I kind of dug
3: myself into a hole in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Amity Island kind of quaint, right? <laughs> it's
2: kind of gay, yeah. Amity. Yeah. Oh, her. Um, exactly. I, 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 I think... I think my next thing I would I, I would write an app before I wrote a book because I I kind of feel like books are really hard to sell to people. But yeah. you know if you can do an app and you can update it and you know that they're that might literally be
1: hard to sell to people when people have no place to physically go and buy them.
2: Yeah, true. And 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 Borders little, and gone. Little, little interests. I mean, you know, I, I guess I mean if you're a Kindle person. My yeah. second book is on Kindle, so uh, that was nice. But, yeah, generally speaking, it's just uh, unless you are Chelsea Handler or somebody else who has a built-in fan base, they're, right. it's really hard to move product on that.
1: Right, right. Um,
2: We're post-literate as a society, I guess.
1: Pre-what? <laughs> <laughs> pre-doomed. <laughs> um. You grew up where?
2: Uh, I grew up in uh, Atlanta, uh, but my parents were both born in Spain, so I have no discernible Southern accent. Although I do say "y'all" without irony. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have a Spanish accent either, incidentally. Uh, No, no. (laughs) People think I'm from Ohio or something because I I have no, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't have my parents' accent, and I don't have the one I grew up around. It's just sort of
1: thoroughly American seeming. Your parents do have accents.
2: They did, yes, when they were alive. (laughs) Well. Good job, I, look,
0: good
1: job jack good job Jack. did i miss something
2: i'm old so you know yeah, <laughs> they are no longer how religious. old are you I, I,
1: go for it mary I will
2: first be, you call him george lucas <laughs> now you want to know how old the guy is this just gets worse and worse i will are be you for, over 50 I, I will be 45 in may
1: oh i'll be 45 in like three fucking weeks
2: well, congratulations. Who cares?
1: <laughs> well, but, but both I'm, I'm, my parents are still living.
2: True. Well, I, but I'm a youngest. You're not child. that old. I'm I'm a youngest child though. Like my oldest oh. sister is 13 years older than me. So,
1: what, uh, how old were your parents when they died? I'm just. Uh,
2: my mother was actually relatively young. She was uh, 58. She had breast cancer, and then my wow. father made it to 77. And colon cancer. <laughs> wow. So hmm. I've already had my first uh, colonoscopy.
1: Oh, I just have, to be on the same side, I have side. not.
2: 45 oh, is a good time to start. Is it? It is actually. That's they tell you. That's scrape, you scrape, scrape. Let's see so what's much, up in there. Not so much scrape. It's, it's that's when they is send the camera lasting? up there. No, oh, no, no, really? no, no. It's the, the 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 whole it's the Katie Couric on TV thing. Right. Uh, but they drug you up. It's nice. It's you don't you don't even notice. <laughs> is it nice? Okay, maybe nice isn't the word. <laughs> it's, it's not as bad as you would think it would be. The worst part of it is the prep. Because you have to like, they make, they, you have this powder stuff you have to drink right. for six hours beforehand and it is like, it is digestive Drano. Like it just, everything that was ever in your body comes out and right. uh, and it tastes like seawater going down. It's nasty.
1: Um, but you must get a weight loss thing there. No.
2: Uh, I don't know. It's only, it's one day of doing it. So, you know,
1: oh, I see. wait, 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 it's
2: not like going on the cleanse or whatever. Um, you
1: know. um recreational enemas here in los angeles <laughs> county <laughs> all the rage uh why not i'm just going there so there were a couple of a couple of gay guys i know who actually went and uh had enemas like within the last
2: oh like five the years or so irrigation the whole yeah thing.
1: you know uh one of those la things that Angel some angelinos do and uh could be Mar- marlon wayans or um, kim which is even worse should i look is Jackson Merlin Wayne's. Yeah, fuck it. Um so the creepy weird thing was the nurse who stood there while all the stuff was coming out through the the uh, clear plastic tube mm-hmm. and literally started giving them dietary advice based on <laughs> what was sort of floating through the
2: I hear it's like every piece of bubble gum you ever swallowed. Really? I don't know if that's an urban myth. You truly,
1: or not. truly can't digest that gum.
2: That's what I'm told, but I don't know. Wow, I've never done it.
1: Wow. Continuing our overall journey. <laughs> I, I never had a colonoscopy, but
3: I had to get an endoscopy once, which is tube down the throat. Ugh. And they, uh, they still uh, they make you um, cleanse the day before because if you have any fluids in you, the, it doesn't work. So I had to take right. like a diuretic and all this junk. The morning of, I brush my teeth and I swallowed a little bit of water. I woke up um from the anesthetic with the tube down my throat. Yeah. And just started punching people. I threw like it was it's not even supposed to happen. I started choking. You yeah. know what I mean? It was oh, like wow. the worst possible thing to happen. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So I am not, not a
2: fan of the Oscopies. Yeah. Well, this is the other direction. So That's what I'm saying. There
3: was
1: yeah. no but
2: gag I mean, reflex yeah. involved. No, as long as nobody's right?
1: standing where they shouldn't be. <laughs> There's really no risk of any medical professional bad, becoming yeah. uh impacted, shall we say. <laughs> Do you, Impacted. To use an appropriate word. Um, how quickly can we get off this subject? I was and where,
0: say, I'm where can we go? We got See, onto yeah, I was going from to
3: <laughs> trying to drive it upwards of the body.
1: Type in a course <laughs> <laughs> anywhere. Um, so you grew up in Atlanta, yeah. and then how how old were you when you left Atlanta? Uh, the Walking I, I, Dead. I, well, I
2: went to I went to college in uh, in Nashville, which is only a few hours away. At, uh, when I was. I was 17 when I graduated from high school, and then right. um I moved to Dallas for my first sort of big job after college, which was for a paper that no longer exists called the Dallas Times-Herald. Right. Um And then I moved out here the first time with uh, our mutual friend Robert Abley uh, okay. in 1992, and was out here for a couple of years, and was starting to get things going as a writer, and then I got a really great gig where i could uh, I was hired as the artistic director of the u s a film festival in dallas
1: in Dallas that's right, so I
2: went back there in ninety five uh did five festivals and really enjoyed it and met my partner and then wow. moved back here in ninety nine and I've been
1: here ever since and tell me what became of the u s a film festival it still exists as the u s a film yeah. festival.
2: Yeah, there's a, there are other film festivals in Dallas, but the USA Film Festival is still the USA Film Festival and, uh, is one of the oldest festivals in the US. It turns 42 this year.
1: But sort of has a much lower profile than neighboring South by Southwest in Austin.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, South by Southwest is, but South by Southwest is, is, a different thing. I mean, the USA Film Festival has always been like
1: a straightforward film festival. A straightforward
2: film festival. And South by Southwest is a market, and it's it's everything. You know, music and and you know everything the interactive and all that other clashing, stuff. So yeah. it's apples and oranges.
1: Right, right. Um, do you consider yourself an Angelino now? Then, yeah. Oh, Given yeah, all the time much. that you've lived here, definitely. Yeah. If you could live anywhere else, where would you go? And how uh, often do you and Dave White have that discussion? <laughs>
2: um yeah it's funny because you know when we first moved here he was kind of freaking out just because change is not something that is part of his dna he likes right. stability and in fact he wrote a really i don't know if you have ever read his memoir uh, exile in guyville about him, not. which is about me dragging him to to live in west hollywood and him wigging out for the first two years but right. now he loves it and um you know i think ideally you know win the lottery or whatever like i i would love to go live in in madrid Really? Yeah, even though I know Spain's economy is a disaster right now, but I have a lot of family there and right. my oldest sister lives there and all my, my parents were the only ones from their respective families to emigrate. So all of my cousins and aunts and uncles or whatever are still there. So that, that would be a great place to go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind living in Atlanta, frankly, just cause uh, a lot of, most of my sibs are there. And so right. a lot of my nieces and nephews and, you know, that would be kind of cool. Um,
1: when your parents went in Atlanta, were they both in Atlanta still? Uh, yes. are your parents buried in Atlanta? Yes. Okay. And where's Dave White's family from? And for some reason, I don't know whether it's just me or everybody, or did I pick this up from you? Everybody calls him Dave White.
2: Everybody calls him Dave White. Yeah. Everyone just Because, calls him because Dave we have White. a lot of Daves in our life. So, okay. you know, he's just, he's Dave White. Right. Uh, Dave White was born in New Hampshire. Um, but then uh, moved to New Mexico when he was a teenager. Whereabouts? Uh, first to Hobbs, and then to Roswell. Okay. As he always, as he likes to put it, he lived in Roswell pre X Files. Okay. When it was just a big pit. When it was of not fashionable. Thing. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and then he moved to Texas. I think when he was like eighteen or nineteen, and then huh. had lived there, gone to college there up until right. the point that I I you know dragged him
1: out to the West Coast. And are you guys all chummy with Peter Debruge? Yeah, because he's another Texan yes, transplant, we didn't, sort we, of. But we did Peter we didn't, we from didn't meet Waco. Till,
2: right, we didn't meet him till we got out here, though.
1: Right, right.
2: The thing about Texas is that if you are of a certain uh, temperament, you know, in terms of certainly when it comes to the arts and that sort of thing, you usually leave. You go to you go to right. L.A. or you go to New York, right? Um. And 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 part of it is sort of like I know in Dallas, for instance, if you were a, a Dallas artist, like whether it was a filmmaker, musician, you know, visual artist, whatever, you weren't taken nearly as seriously as if you had gone to New York or L.A., succeeded there, and then came back to Dallas. Of course, then you suddenly had the imprimatur, and you know, were you were a real thing.
1: Right, right. In might be a good title for I'm, this episode.
3: In I'm actually gonna have to find the spelling, the definition, <laughs> what language that is. Uh, <laughs> but I'm down. Episode 19 in <laughs> Sounds like a Transformers robot. Film by, Christ- <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Christ- by Christopher Nolan. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> That's when he's starring does. Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale. Guy Pierce, Gary Oldman, Guy Pearce, Guy will Okay, Guy
3: Pierce back in there. <laughs> greatest we? hits, Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, but not on that list. Surprisingly, what the greatest. He needs hits to bring Gina Gershon
2: hit. back into the fold. I think. Oh wait, no, sorry. I'm thinking of the Wachowskis, Never mind.
1: <laughs> Someone's passing through who's not supposed to be here.
2: Ah.
3: Marlon Waynes.
1: Yeah, exactly. but he just—he
3: was tired of calling. He just came to the house.
1: Exactly. Um. So cutting right cutting right to it, Alonso. What have you seen lately that's any good?
2: What have I seen lately? Uh, oh well, I just saw uh, *Secret World of Arietti. Did you dig oh. it? I liked it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm uh, generally a, a Ghibli fan. Um, it's Hayao didn't direct that, right? It right. Was, he he's screenplay. I mean, obviously the original Japanese screenplay. Uh, yeah, this new first time guy directing it. He um, had. Done, he's, you know, kind of paid his dues going up the, the ladder, apparently. Like, he worked on Spirited Away. He worked on Princess Mononoke. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. It, it does all the things that you want in a, in a Ghibli movie. I mean, like, the characters are really interesting. The shots of nature are just breathtaking, like it's, something out of Matisse. It's the know. borrowers, basically. Right? It's the borrowers, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I like, did you love Ponyo? I did. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's more of a kid-aimed yeah, totally. movie, but I, I but can't, it's, it's yeah. Perfect.
3: Have they next announced the next uh main film yet? God I don't or know. Or Takahata
2: even, that's what I mean. I'm obsessed with those movies, but Yeah, Takahata's probably my favorite. Like Pompoco is probably hands oh, down my favorite dude. of that yeah, whole yeah. bunch. And and Grave of the Fireflies is it's the most depressing, super depressing movie yes, ever but, made. But Incredibly it's great. Incredibly depressing movie yeah. though. Um I'm so pissed. I just missed like I think I think I missed the whole thing. It's probably over now, but they, they did that whole Jiburi retrospective in town. My friend told the, me
3: about that. I, I missed it too. Yeah, it would have yeah, been awesome. If you, um
1: Thing I didn't like about that, I have to say, and it's weird. I wonder, I wonder if it factors with their business at all. But they, so the American Cinematheque, which owns and operates both the Egyptian here in Hollywood, which was the very first, if not the first movie theater, the first movie palace built on Hollywood Boulevard by Sid Grauman, who then went down the block across the street and built more famously Grauman's Chinese. Chinese theater, which is arguably or not really arguably the most famous movie theater in the world. Definitely. Um, the American Cinematheque now owns and operates the Egyptian. They also recently, in quote marks, like within the last five or six years, acquired the Arrow Theater, which mo- is more sort of streamlined, modern neighborhood house yeah. on Wilshire in Santa Monica. It's not. It's on, it on Montana, I want to Montana. say. On Montana.
3: Yeah. Don't they have the new art, too? Is that part of no, that? No, that's no, that's part of the landmark. No, landmarks. that's Okay, it's a different one. yeah, yeah.
1: Um so the thing that that I found annoying though about that uh Ghibli festival is they split it between the theaters. And it's sort of like are there really a lot of people who live in Hollywood who are going to drive all the way over to the West Side to see a movie that that most of them probably own in on some home video format, Blu-ray or DVD and vice versa?
2: Well, but you have to remember, I mean, there are you know you're thinking You're a of, programmer. You're yeah, I mean you're 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 kind of thinking that like everybody that wants to see this movie lives on your block. I mean, they've got to accommodate people in Pasadena, they've got to accommodate people in yeah. Manhattan Beach, you know. So well, why not
1: accommodate them separately is my point. Why can't we just double that festival and have them Why why shouldn't Princess Mononoke play here in both, hollywood yeah. as well as it no ideally in Santa Monica. Sure, but
2: you know it's it's the kind of thing where uh like i i know that that it was it, you know it, it toured around this this whole series went to several cities and i don't think you really got to pick and choose i think basically it was like you had to you had to go all in right and so i'm sure they were like all right we these are this is going to be 20 time slots do we do we take 40 time slots because we're showing everything at both theaters or do we divvy it up? And so I'm, I, I think I, I could see from a programmer's perspective why it would make sense if you've got two venues, you know, yeah. divvy them up and try and figure out, you know, may, maybe you figure out which one's going to play better in which neighborhood or you just sort of randomly,
1: you know. Do you have a sense that the Egyptian here in Hollywood is not doing as well as it did pre, where um, it's not the thing that it was when the American Cinematheque was being run by... Who is their famous... His name escapes me. Dennis Bartok? By Dennis Bartok. Or? By Dennis
0: Bartok. I, you, do you know, think I,
1: there's been a decline with the...
2: I don't know the internal workings enough to be able to point to anything. I mean, I, it's weird. I mean, I, I like to go periodically. I think they do mm-hmm. a lot of really incredible stuff. And, you know, it's like with anything else. It's, you know, with New Beverly or the CineFamily or whoever. Sometimes you go and it's packed, and sometimes you go
1: and there's... You know, 15 Sometimes people. you do still go to the Egyptian and you find it packed
2: yeah, I've, I've been doing okay. some stuff that, yeah, you know, it just kind of, happens. and I think, uh, you know, they, they do really well. I, I think that repertories become less of their bread and butter and it's more about, you know, what they do, like the recent Irish cinema, recent Spanish cinema, those, those right. things they do with the consulates where they bring in these foreign films that don't have U.S. distribution and it's sort of your yeah, one thing. They will never be
1: see seen them. here in any format, really. I mean, they're not even going to come out on DVD in region one.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's probably a, Making up a bigger share of their thing. I mean, repertory is really hard to sell now because of, you know, it's just, you know, do you stay at home and press one button and watch something on Netflix or do you totally. like get in your car and, you know, to go see a thing? It's totally, you know, it's, it's a tricky sell. And I, and as somebody who's about to launch a series at, at Outfest, you know, hopefully in the near future, that's going to include a lot of repertory. That's going to be. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, not yet. <laughs>
1: what would you like to say about it?
2: It's in the planning stages, but it will be what starting. What else would you like to say? It will be starting soon, <laughs> and uh, I hope it will be awesome.
1: It's not another one of your goddamn... um gay christmas movie film series is <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody
2: thought that my second book was about gay christmas movies i'm like that would be a pamphlet at best <laughs>
1: that's hilarious that would be like home for the holidays starring jody foster or that's a directed by Jodie foster and you yeah. would, even then you would have to decode it
2: exactly yeah i mean robert downey jr does play a gay guy but that's about that's as right. much as you get. i mean right. there are a few like sort of gay christmas indies but I'm not really crazy. In the book, I even sort of make the case that, like, if you're a gay indie filmmaker, make a good Christmas movie because that's a niche that is still waiting to be, you know. Right. Phil, there are all, there are some nice tries, but no one's really nailed it yet.
1: Um, what is the venue, or are you not allowed to say for your series? Uh, I can't say yet, but okay. we'll be announcing it soon. Good. Not DGA. No. Good.
2: But that nah. you know, we'll be we'll be doing Outfest. Yeah, Outfest there, is obviously.
1: married to DGA. I don't know. There's something I don't know.
2: I, I think it's a great. I'm venue. churlish. You are churlish. This is true. As <laughs> another general, word, as a general rule, episode eighteen, <laughs> episode, episode, 20, episode nineteen, yeah. or whatever, churlish. churlish. Episode nineteen <laughs> words I don't know. <laughs> or just call this one churlish and and <laughs> <Exactly>. churlish and <imprimatur.
1: laughs> Um Have you seen anything lately mainstream that you've that you've gone for? Um, I will not descend into Oscar talker.
2: That's fine by me um i you know I, we were talking about chronicle before which I, I i apart from the framing device of the whole first person camera jazz i i thought was really entertaining and uh, right you know clever and 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 you know kind of a new take on some familiar material yeah and i i guess i like woman in black more than you did since i didn't leave
1: yeah <laughs> did you walk know. you walked out yeah it was just you know it was friday night it was the end of a long work week for uh the person i live with and um it was atmospherically shot. I said to him, "The double bill." Speaking of repertory, the double bill uh for that movie at the New Beverly will be that plus the Del Toro produced remake of "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark," mm. because they're sort of twins. Those two movies, they're both neo, very misty, gothic All atmosphere. Yeah, I found the the um. The Del Toro remake a little more interesting visually just because it really did seem to be aping in a way that sort of Dan Curtis original from the 70s, which right. is like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're swimming in these waters again How, and, like, <laughs> referencing this is aesthetic. Totally weird. How
3: but. is Radcliffe
2: in uh, a non-Harry Potter role? He's good. He's yeah? good. He's got chops. He's got he, chops. He's a, he's he's a, a got schim- chops he
1: does not have much to do.
2: He's convincing as an adult. Yes. He gives good sort of like
1: haunted, you know, drawn. He's convincing as a father, which is a little startling. Yeah, because he's a father. father, Yeah, to a boy who is not in a crib either, by the way. to a Yeah, like a four-year-old kid and and, and, the
2: wife dies in childbirth, so he's sort of like about it, you know, and and really pulls that off. Yeah. You know, which is obviously the – I didn't see – the br- his his how to succeed, but you know that that character is obviously a lot yeah. more buoyant.
3: You know, you'd got to think out of those kids, he's the one most poised to probably be able to, right? I don't think Rupert Gint's gonna. We're gonna be seeing that dude a lot, do you?
1: Probably. Well, or I, you'll. We I won't think, be seeing him a lot, but they'll be they seeing will. him a lot Rupert's over there on TV, movies that don't yeah. don't get exported.
2: Well, I, yeah, I was gonna say because I think I think he's got a real future in comedy.
1: Rupert Gint. Rupert
2: Gint. Yeah. Gint. Gint. I think. it's Fucking
1: Gint. Yeah,
2: I I could see him doing stuff with like the um the Mighty Boosh guys or something like some of the sort of the right. young the up and coming British you know comedy folks.
1: And Missy just announced that she's stepping into a horror movie too.
2: She's been doing a bunch of stuff, and then uh, she was in my week with Marilyn. Yeah. She was fine.
3: You know, Dra- Draco has been popping up and sucking in movies every once in a while. He, like I love Planet of the Apes, but he that kid was terrible in it. I thought he
1: wasn't Rise was, of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I was neither he here
3: that. nor there. He was like the ba- he was um the bad guy's son, kind
2: of. He's the that one who feels. gets to say "Get off me, you damn!" Dirty he gets apes. the line, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, <laughs> I'll tell you the what, but who whoever thought that what's his face that that Neville Longbottom was going to grow up to be such a hottie, dude? Every girl, every chick he? in
3: my life has been saying that over the past <laughs> month. Like that Neville, the um the real chubby one from Harry Potter, uh, with like the the uh, super nerd like, plant teeth. kids. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. is
2: now like smoking hot.
1: Really? Yeah. And what?
2: just in life like i've seen like there was there was a meme going around gossip blogs or something it it was some red carpet picture and it was like him and radcliffe and the the draco kid and grint and the capture was like who would have thought that neville would become the hot one you know
1: huh hang on i'm gonna have to google this (laughs) he needs proof what's his name again
3: in real life... I, I don't know right the actual there.
2: actor's name. I'm forgetting. Neville Longbottom.
1: Someone is... Scrim- you know, people are screaming it right now out there.
2: It totally, yes.
1: At the, How at the, can uh, you not know? <laughs> the ancient uh, AM radios that they listen to us on. <laughs> on their kitchen counter.
2: Well, you know, the Harry Potter series gave us that Pattinson kid, so...
1: <laughs> it's so funny. I type in Neville Longbottom into Google and, like, the suggested search is the number, the number two... The first suggested search is Neville Longbottom actor. The number two is Neville Longbottom hot. I knew it was going to be that. Neville Longbottom wolf, wizard I'd like to fuck. (laughs) This is the story of how Neville Longbottom got really fucking hot. All right, I'm pushing on this, so to speak. (laughs) Amazing
2: podcasting That's what he said.
1: Oh, for fuck's sake, come on. It just takes you to, takes you to a bunch of crap. Hang on, I'm gonna have to go to a better site.
2: We'll
3: vamp in the meantime.
2: There uh, was a there <laughs> was a guy who played like one of the older kids in one of the early movies who was pretty attractive. And he had like this great double entendre name. I'll give the straight male perspective. Uh <laughs> Fleur, Fleur Delacour, who was also
3: in In Bruges. Uh uh-huh. She wound up to be super gorgeous. And I think this Luna huh. Lovegood girl is gonna be incredibly attractive. I'm not into that, I'm you not know. into Hermione. Really? It's
1: wilting under your cigarette smoke, That's Matt right. Cohen. No, it's all right. Uh, Look, it's all the way over there, Matt Cohen. It's like the mist.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fog.
1: What um, people who are fascinated with behind the scenes on Team Jack should know that, really, on the team, the only smoker is Matt Cohen. Thank
3: because I'm a dirty, disgusting bastard. The
1: camel toad. I hate myself. And um, we never make you leave the house to do it. Don't walk out on the balcony or whatnot, unless our guests are, like, allergic Or have a strong aversion to it. It's
3: a very, it's a very conscious show. But neither Condon nor
1: I are the type of people who are like, dude. You know, we'd really appreciate it if you not cut up that black tar heroin on our coffee table and shoot it into yourself. (laughs) And I appreciate
3: it because that's the only way (laughs) I can use a
2: a coaster. (laughs) That's the only way I can
3: podcast. So yeah, everyone knows that trick of the trade. (laughs)
2: Oh yeah. Okay, the guy who plays uh, Oliver Wood in the first one or two um, oh, yeah. Harry Potter movies, his real name is Sean Biggerstaff. Well, now that's a name. That's almost better
1: than Benedict
2: Cumberbatch or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. This, It's much pornier.
1: Exactly. Like
2: Biggerstaff, that's like that's a Falcon Video name.
1: Exactly. <laughs> a dot com. <biggerstaff.com. laughs> um, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, hmm. What has been? I don't really, you know. It's so weird. Like I don't see those movies.
2: Well, all right. Tell tell me something, because you you've been on the inside of a Weinstein campaign.
1: No, Bill Condon has been on the inside, well, but, you, but I go to dinner with Bill Condon. You've
2: you've hovered. You've, you've, yeah, you know. I've been.
1: Movie business adjacent to exactly. Weinstein campaigns.
2: So what...
1: What do you want to know?
2: What is their mojo? How do they make a movie like... They go like-
1: door to door. Really? Yeah. Okay. They'll go door to door. Well, this is how it was in the old days. I don't know how it is now. But literally, all the executives who work for Harvey, um, they put all their sort of normal work on hold during Oscar season. Mm-hmm or certainly probably once the academy once the nominating ballots are going out or something like that I'm, they don't put their they don't put their business on hold for the entire season right. season now is practically 10 months out of the year. I was going to
2: say it's like presidential elections they never Totally.
1: Ended. Um but uh any executive that you have worked with before on any project with uh with the Weinstein's or whatever is suddenly calling you to what have you seen lately that you've liked? And well, have you had a chance to watch *The Cider House Rules* yet? Well, you know, we'd really like—I mean, it's just short of—we'd really like your vote. But they—I think with with Harvey, he just understands that you know, it's what it's—give or take six thousand voting members of that academy—and um, you go to door—you go door to door to door—and most uh. Awards consultants or heads of marketing uh, who are driving the Oscar campaigns for the studios or the so-called dependent divisions like Fox, Fox Searchlight or Focus mm-hmm. will not stoop to that level. Hmm. And sometimes stooping and stooping <laughs> gets you the fucking win.
2: I was gonna say, is it stooping if it works? I it mean- works because <laughs> clearly you know at this he's been and the academy for-
1: every year tries to tighten up the rules mm-hmm. no 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 dinner parties for right. where you you know um michael and pat york invite all their voter friends over to the house and we're gonna have roberto benigni as our <laughs> dinner table guest and you know no 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 you may not have those vote getting parties and no 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 you may not um The Academy tries to tack the boat every year in response to the latest perceived campaign excess, Mm. and much like super PACs and loopholes (laughs) and all that stuff, they'll just, you know, the really dogged awards consultant or Harvey Weinstein will find a workaround Mm. for next season. Because I mean, why are you curious? Though you think, are you outraged at the? Here we go. By I'm the not, way, no, I'm not. Are I'm you not? not are you Jardin outraged? Jardine
3: fan?
2: I'm not <laughs> the, outraged about that. I mean, I, I don't, I don't care about the Oscars anymore. Like I, you know, one of the, I was a little kid. I was obsessed with them, and now I'm like, I know they're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I'm just impressed with the fact that you can take a movie that the artist in anybody else's hands would not be where it is right now. Like that's the kind mm-hmm. of movie that only. Harvey Weinstein knows how to turn into a juggernaut.
1: And I think Harvey enjoys a challenge mm. because the thing you have to say about the artist is it's not the shipping news. It's not the cider house rules. It's not the latest sort laugh. of
3: Shakespeare middlebrow
1: movie made from a more appreciated novel right. usually than the movie turns out to, to have been, but that nonetheless he still pushes in and he's getting six, seven, eight nominations for that movie. They usually don't cross the finish line and actually win Best Picture. But this movie is a little different from those sort of Miramax, Miramax Best Picture contenders of the 90s, you know?
2: Right, but but it's... The it's, 90s,
1: by the way, which include all of the aughts
2: i've lumped them all together <laughs>
1: yeah. it's like well, from 95 to like 2012, 2012 it's all years, just now 30
2: year decade
1: yeah. like miramax weinstein
2: versus weinstein weinstein right i mean uh yeah. but, but like i mean king's speech last year same deal you know like social network was you know had won every single critic's best picture yeah. had, you know which is the unstoppable thing and then he stopped it you know
1: yeah but here's here like the general rule of thumb and Condon is obviously like a huge, 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 huge student of Oscars, or always has been. Mm-hmm. Then he met Damien, who you probably heard us talk about on a previous. Bashir? Bona. Oh, okay. Inside, author of Inside oh, Oscar, right, right, recently yeah, yeah, passed yeah. away. They were best friends at Columbia. They ah. stayed tight all these years. So, I mean, Bill is really, you know, I'm some, I, I wouldn't call myself an authority on Star Wars necessarily, but it certainly is first in star wars or star trek bill is first in way 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 more versed in the academy awards right and basically hate to say but one of the simple rules of thumb is if it leaves you a little cold at the end it's probably not going to win broke back mm-hmm. mountain yeah. versus crash when you hear anecdotally from academy voters that eh, it didn't quite move it's like you know what the the picture that is maybe a little a little less rarefied, a little less refined, the, has certainly won fewer critics awards. The gut punch you but run. is a bigger hug, right? And that sort of sends out to the world just a better message about movies in <laughs> general <laughs> is probably going to win because that's good for movies. Right. It's good for business.
2: Although I, I mean, I, I yes, that that all sounds very true. I don't I don't know that that's what. Got in what well, that's what put Crash over Brokeback Mountain because I think a lot of people I think people who like Brokeback Mountain, you that's a movie you cry at the end of, you know, yeah. if you're into it. But I think that I know that a was... lot of
1: people who didn't cry at the end of it and wanted to,
2: hmm, okay,
1: isn't that interesting versus okay. Crash, the big sloppy? Oh, god, yeah,
2: they, that was the movie that one that, that was the year that once and for all ended my interest in the Academy, me too, because I hate, I hate that movie. That's it's such a terrible, terrible yeah. film, yeah. You know, it's one.
1: It, you know, you, huh?
2: I would I would have been stunned. You took if, the cure, pretty much. Yeah, I would have been stunned if *Brokeback Mountain* had won because my favorite movie of the year never wins, and that actually was my favorite movie of that year. Right. But for it to lose to *Crash*, yeah, <laughs> that was like, okay, we're we're done.
1: Yeah, we're done. Uh, this is, you know. But you know, what? that's a liberating. That's a good liberating point for you in your life where you let go of your yeah. your interest in the, that sort of horse race, which, let's face it. Aside from whatever, in the grand scheme of things, tiny voice you have mm-hmm. through your tiny outlet. Right. And even the New York Times gets lumped in with a tiny voice and a tiny <laughs> outlet when it comes to an Oscar campaign. Sure. You, uh, aside from your tiny voice in the fray, you, um, picking a pubic hair off this microphone, nice. Matt Cohen. What's up? Um, what you can't affect that race. That's a
3: wampa hair. I have a wampa rug now.
1: Is it really? Yeah. It's a wampa hair? Yeah. I'll take it. Um, you can't affect that race. So why?
2: Why be invested? Yeah. Yeah. And and the other thing about it, that it's funny, because like this year on What the Flick, when the nominations came out, we sort of talked about it, mm-hmm. and none of us could remember who won Best Actress last year. Like, Hello. literally, our producer had to look it up the on online. The great
1: lesson of Oscars. <laughs> yeah. We all care so passionately. I'm still trying
2: to think
3: right now who won best actress last year. I have no.
1: There you are.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I know. Don't Only look
3: at me. Don't tell me. I'll think me. about it. We'll call Don't it. look okay. at me. That's what you're right, though. It's every, every year, it's a different. It just goes away so quickly. It doesn't mean yeah. anything anymore. Halle Berry won a fucking Oscar. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone Fuck. has won an Oscar at this point. Like every actor working. Well, it's
1: not so good usually time. for actresses to win because that. Aside from Meryl, that usually will stop a career cold.
2: Uh, best supporting actors especially. Really not good. Where's Mercedes Rule these days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, well, it's funny because, you know, I my, my the joke I used to always be like, I would always say, oh, well, you know, if you're a director, wouldn't you rather be on the list with, like, Hitchcock and Kubrick than with, you know, uh, directors Mel, Mel never Gibson won and Kevin one. Costner. And this publicist I said that to said, Oh, but Hitchcock and Kubrick wanted one really badly. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, yeah. well, fair enough, then.
1: <laughs> Everybody wants the big hug.
2: Yeah, and it's also, I think, if nothing else, it ensures that your obit will start with, you know, Oscar-winning. Oscar-winning. Yeah, Oscar winning.
1: Oscar winning. Yeah, exactly. We've said it before, we'll say it again, that line. Probably the only line of dialogue that I remember from Superman Returns. <laughs> I'm sure it had something to do with Kevin Spacey and his band of villains. <laughs> it's like the Oscars. Nobody remembers what you won for. They just know that you won. <laughs> you know?
2: yeah, and I think it was Katherine Hepburn who was credited with this. I don't know if she actually said it, but that the right people win Oscars, but rarely for the right performance.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's mostly true, right? Yeah. Although it is also a generally held truth that the Academy does not some really usually give out obvious lifetime achievement awards in the form of statuettes for performance. Usually it's it's a little more sophisticated than that so that people going into a going into your Oscar party betting pool or your office pool thinking that, well, he's going to win or she's going to win because they've never won. That doesn't. You know, again, I mean, it, Ian McKellen and Nick Nolte both lose to Roberto Benigni for right, acting right. in but, 1998. But, but, you
2: know, but Paul Newman got one of those and, and Don Amici got one of those. And, mm-hmm. you know, Christopher Plummer may well be getting one of those this year. But then at the same time, you've got like Lauren Bacall, although apparently people don't like her. So that was what a that's, surprise. That's why that, that happened with her yeah. like a couple of years ago. But, yeah, um,
1: well, Eddie Murphy. Case in point. Hey,
2: where, where does uh, where does the one that lives here live?
1: The Oscar mm-hmm. down in his office.
2: Mm. No wacky like it's.
1: On I think the he enjoy- yeah, I think <laughs> he enjoys having it or whatnot. But no, it's not.
2: Well, I mean, it didn't hit me. He's in the face lying. As that I there's walked shrine the built, built around anything. it. There's halogen no, there lamps. It wasn't it really on isn't. a pendulum, and you know, didn't no. strike me in the forehead. So no,
3: they, they, ha- they hire a man to hold it. His <laughs> name is in Shock. On. He lives downstairs. Exactly. <laughs> white gloves. It's like Downton Abbey.
1: <laughs> um. So there we are. I mean, we fucking went there. We ended up with a fucking Oscar show. Sorry. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) By the time this airs on Wednesday afternoon, then we'll be exponentially closer to the Oscars, which are not this coming weekend, but the week following. Sunday
2: week, yeah.
1: We could always just say that, you know, episode whatever. This is episode 21. The Oscar show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. Have
3: you ever done, do you do the Oscar
2: polls? Do you find yourself, no, never? Nope. What about you? I'm a notoriously bad prognosticator. Like, one year I got lucky and won, like, the party pool because I think I was the only person that picked Anna Paquin. But right. generally speaking, like, uh famously in college, when I was a film critic for the campus newspaper, we did, like, a whole contest right. where, you know, your people would send in their votes compared to mine, and I lost to everyone because <laughs> I
1: predicted a color-purple sweep, and that didn't really go very well. No, it didn't. How do you feel about that movie in hindsight?
2: Um... I know what's wrong with it, but I love it anyway. It's it's like we talked about this a lot when War Horse came out because I hated it, and uh-huh. Dave loved it. And the right. thing is that it's there are Spielberg movies that you love but you can't defend. He just pressed all your buttons in just the right way, yeah. and you loved that he did it. Yeah. So that's how I am with with Color Purple, and that's how he is with War Horse. You know, like sometimes you know you're being manipulated, but it's being done so skillfully that you just you know are happy to let it happen.
1: Empire of the Sun.
2: I'm not a huge fan, but I, I think there's, I don't know, there's, a, I find that a lot of the things that I like in it are borrows from other movies. Mm-hmm. So it's its hard to say. Um It's weird. I mean, like, I think that Spielberg does a lot of what people think of as being a Quentin Tarantino kind of thing. Right. You know, which is a sort of like these greatest hits shout outs to movies I grew up on. Right. It's just that, you know, Spielberg is doing David Lean and, you know, Tarantino is doing Jack Hill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Tarantino is also sort of synonymous with a lot of that stuff in a way that Spielberg. Uh, I don't know. Spielberg didn't I mean, want to be. Doesn't want to be. Didn't, I don't think he ever really wanted to be quite out. Out in front of with these homages.
2: No, 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 no. I think they they try they play their cards closer to the vest. But when you look back at like. How people perceive that, that sort of film school generation of the seventies.
1: Yeah. The movie brats. Yeah. You know, movie a brats. lot of
2: it was about, you know, I mean, you know, Star Wars, obviously, you know, from yeah. the hidden fortress and, sure. you know, 20
1: other films. Just a, curse that a movie, from. folks, that Star Wars is mostly based on.
2: Um, you know, so it, it I, I think it's been something that's been going on for as long as, as long as uh, Hollywood's been around long enough for there to be like, Subsequent generations, basically. Right. You know, there were, there were people who grew, who grew up watching Howard Hawks movies and grew up watching Hitchcock and whatever else. Right. And then they in turn turned into their stuff. And, you know, I guess, you know, then you start, you start seeing indies that are sort of second generation regurgitations, basically. Like, you know, this is my view of, you know, David Lean as seen by Steven Spielberg, you know, sort of thing. So, which I, I guess is sort of inevitable in any art form.
1: Yeah. I mostly followed you there.
3: <laughs> you talk really fast.
1: The audience did, so that's
3: all that matters. Right? <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, the audience can stop and go back if they want to. So.
3: <laughs> it's not worth it. We could do that. I could pause it. We can, yeah. <laughs>
1: um,
3: Dissect it.
1: Who's your favorite director working today?
2: Uh, Pedro Almodovar, probably.
1: Yeah? Yeah. How'd you feel about the last one?
2: Not my favorite, but I liked it a lot. I, I wish I had not gone in kind of knowing what the twist the premise was be, yeah because he had talked about it in an interview year in at least a few interviews years ago uh-huh. and it's just one of the things that I kind of filed away in my brain like oh what a cool idea for a movie I hope he makes it one day right and then about a third of the way through it was like oh this is that movie you know yeah, and he so, did it yeah so I didn't get the the sort of shock of revelation that other people would get in in the skin I live in right. But but uh, you know gorgeously art directed another great Alberto Iglesias score a really I think the best Antonio Banderas non-animated performance in a long long time that's interesting um yeah i I think it's a movie that works really well my favorites are bill condon and kevin smith
1: thanks matt (laughs) (laughs) thanks matt (laughs) company man exactly Um, i'm a
2: huge bill fan i you know like i was we don't have to go there it's marlin again (laughs) i was uh you know, when I, I when I was plugging the Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 1 DVD, uh-huh. you know, I think one of the big selling points is his commentary because, you know, he, yeah. he
1: brings a lot to those kind of things. You actually listened to it? Not yet, but... Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny reading, like, fans but also sort of DVD critics or whatever re- reacting to the commentary in yeah. a way and it's sort of like... Oh, really? He said that. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, finally, explain why there are no deleted scenes on the disc so I don't have to keep tweeting about it, you know?
3: <laughs> or have your team of 20 fans tweet about it. 20, 20 helpers.
1: Yeah, my the Team Jack ladies. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> really? Jesus. Um, what else?
3: It's been not, not a non-eventful week in my life, pretty much. Um, no, it's... I I saw Chronicle. That was it. I like yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I got saw. Netflix for the first time ever. Yeah, yeah. Not again, non-eventful. Like, Netflix, just, like real ex- Netflix. Yeah, like real Netflix. Netflix
1: in the mail. Netflix, not no, Netflix no, 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 no. online. It's an online thing. Instant. Hey, online. Yeah. I don't want
2: this. I'm not
3: waiting for anything. Hey. Right. It's cool that's
0: that.
2: the thing about it once you've got Netflix in the idea of having to wait 2 days for a digital
0: rental yeah. just
2: seems like oh what, the horse and
0: buggy? I what just is don't this? need to see it. Like I wanted to watch Streets
3: of Fire it wasn't on there. All right, I'm good. I can watch a thousand other fucking movies. Did
1: you really want to watch Streets of Fire? Yeah, it was the first thing I tried to watch.
3: But
2: My because first tonight is what it means to be young. However, my
1: second What's up?
3: My <laughs> second choice Rumble in the Bronx was like on there. I can dream
1: about you Alonso. <laughs> <laughs> Your second choice is what? Rumble in the Bronx jackie yeah, Chan. Chan. yeah. First you
2: know, where, the, where the bronx is surrounded by snow-capped mountains mm-hmm. is that true yeah <laughs> it Well, because it's rumble in vancouver but that title
3: didn't roll off the tongue quite so well
1: why the fuck did you want to watch streets of fire
3: i've never seen it yet
1: i told you that's not a good reason
3: i, I saw a trailer it looked cool isn't that good uh i've heard, I've, a heard cool, very a cool good cool I've heard I'm very good i'm not a fan of it but really? i know it has a
2: cult i mean there are people who are does it have a cult it.
3: Oh yeah, there seems to be a generational cult of dudes in like their mid thirties who are obsessed with that movie. It pops up like really? it, it,
2: like it'll be a midnight at the New Beverly every so often.
1: Huh, that's interesting. It' more, uh, way more famous. Alonso and I were just trading their song title references. Way more famous for its soundtrack yes. album currently available on Columbia Polydor LPs and cassettes <laughs> practically I think, I think it right? was MCA it was um, a universal movie then it was as a movie directed by Walter Hill
2: Walter Hill yeah and it it was part of that whole 80s kind not of not really a
1: musical though it is it's it's a
2: it's there are musical it's a musical weird hybrid it's a perform, you know. It's, it's the, all the musical numbers are performance based. Yeah, there's not, no, like, people, that's you know, you like no one breaks into song. Group Banzai, too It's kind of like there was that weird '80s time where there was a lot of
3: yeah. in in, in, mu- in movie performances, but but not straight out musical stuff. And
2: it also it's in that '80s category of retro future, kind of like Brazil and you know yeah. where those movies that were sort of set in a you know like 20 years from now and it's sort of grimy and post apocalyptic, but everybody's got like '40s cars. It's and the zoot suits. suit. It's the
3: zoot suit future. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the lead feature. is
1: Michael Perret. Yeah.
2: Diane, Diane Lane, Lane. Who doesn't sing. She lip syncs. The
1: villain is Willem Dafoe.
2: Right. Rick Moranis is in it. Wow. As like her manager. So you're, wow. ma- you're making me want to see it more and more now. Fucking put yeah. it on Netflix, guys.
1: It's I, well, on something. It's on another one of those streaming services. It may be on Hulu.
3: I mean, I'm sure it's on YouTube at this point. Everybody's I think you're right, like Alonzo.
1: MCA Records. It was because Universal. Universal, Universal yeah. so it which be means Hulu, Hulu right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so.
3: That's my goal for the week. That's how I'll feel productive. Streets of Fire. Yeah, yeah, totally. If I if I can I'll just only do that, I'll send you home with a
1: DVD yeah. or the fucking DVD. We're uh, DVD guys here in this household because much like the the um giant bookshelf behind you, mm-hmm. there's something satisfying about the
2: tangible objects.
1: The I tangible, agree. not not. It's the tangible thing that you can have a visual relationship to. Um, without turning on your TV and scrolling through something, right? Because it's there. It's going to be there tomorrow. It's going to be there the day after. And if it's in Bill Condon's collection, it's going to be. The spine will be less and less easy to read because the direct sunlight <laughs> will turn all the dyes to <laughs> pastels. I have my uh, share of those, <laughs> but um, but more than that, you can pull them and you can reorganize them. It's literally like. And Bill will actually make for himself, he doesn't usually discuss this, if I happen to like wander in and it's the second night in a row that he's watching a movie by Fritz Lang within mm. the last year, he decided to, to, just to watch a bunch of stuff by Fritz Lang who most famously did M and Metropolis. Metropolis right. um, and Bill was watching all the these esoteric titles, probably many of which have only recently become available on DVD or Blu-ray and so he decided...
2: To did, delve like, the in big or whatever, heat, right?
1: Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, but you can literally just go f- 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 and make a stack for yourself of mm. books that you're going to read, quote unquote, movies that you're going to watch, right. and then when you're done, you break them back up or you reorganize them in a different way. And oddly, um, his DVD collection, which is massive, is organized alphabetically by decade obviously starting with the 20s really and uh there is a separate section for what is referred to as trash (laughs) um tv stuff like mini series box sets or tv series box sets are on their own as well and there's a big fat section of just musicals movie musicals Mm. um my stuff which is a Exponentially smaller collection is organized into genres that I get off on, including, for instance, um, like I'll have all my fantasy stuff together and.
2: Just call it porn. <laughs>
1: I'll have Lord of the Rings with Legend, mm. with Dragon Slayer, with Excalibur. And that doesn't run up next to Star Wars. Star Wars is in science fiction or whatever. I'll have all my war movies together. Saving Private Ryan is with Glory, is with you know Thin Red, red Line, etc. Yeah, they're all into um, genres. Sometimes earlier today, I had to pull a movie and uh, I ran in and I had to like push the reset button in my head again and go like. Okay, where the fuck is this thing? Oh, it's See, under. See, that's
2: why I like alphabetical. I
3: do
1: straight <laughs> alphabetical. Same. You can't it go really wrong sho- with that. It kind
3: of shows you the inside of the person by how they organize but their DVDs. No, but
1: the thing with me is, I, I hate to say, but I truthfully am, I am, here's my thing, and I don't think in like 18, 19 episodes we've ever said this, but I'll give you one of my simple declarations, which Bill has had to learn the hard way, which is for Bill, and I think for you guys probably, I don't know about you, Matt Cohen, but I'm pretty sure about you, Alonzo Duralde? Yes. You guys are interested in movies. Yes. See, we all grew up on movies, right? Sure. But now there's a 100 plus years of movies. Right. And with the advent of home video, which didn't exist when we were kids and came into existence when we were Teenagers. teenagers, suddenly now movies that you couldn't see unless you just happened to be up at... 1230, you know.
2: The <laughs> little dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> exactly. On
1: the late, late, late show or whatever. Um, now all of these library titles since that, since that moment really in the mid eighties, all of these titles owned by all of these studios have been coming out in one home video format, replaced by another, replaced by another. And, um, So now we're swamped with movies, and we're swamped with old television shows, right? Nobody thinks for a second in contemporary American culture, let alone popular culture, nobody thinks for a second that if you're into music, everybody's into music, right? Well, what are you into? It's like, well, I'm into, you know, my favorite band of all time is Tears for Fears. I like this. Uh, Lately, I've been listening to a lot of that. You know, I love Cascade, da-da-da-da-da. But nobody ever goes like, "Well, do you have Tchaikovsky and Brahms?" And it's like, "No, I don't feel the need to go back and start at the beginning of of music, you know, or or back before that and start at the beginning right, of music." You, I mean, if you movies, listen to Tchaikovsky yeah, and yeah. Brahms, Bill yes, Condon but you don't have a timeline, does. right? So he wants if it's a if it's a a movie that is considered to be Not just well-reviewed or respected, but even just interesting. Even just interesting. An interesting failure. He wants to own it, and you'll find it again organized alphabetically within the decade. For me, at a certain point, what I kind of call the campfire thing is kicked in, Mm -hmm. which is we're at Boy Scout summer camp, (laughs) and we're up late, and we're telling campfire stories, and literally, it's been a long fucking day... I had to get up at 6.30 for a hike. And now we're going to stay up and listen to a campfire story. Maybe there have already been one or three or five. (laughs) So now it's your turn, Alonzo. And what's your story about? And if your story is about an empire that has a space station and a young boy who goes off to rescue a princess and has to do battle with a guy in a black helmet... I will probably, no matter how well executed or not, if it interests me in some basic way, I'll go ahead and stay up for that. But if it's about the disintegration of like a Danish couple's wedding, <laughs> I don't care how important it I'm is. With you. Yeah. I, I, I don't fucking care. I so used to. The laundry list for me of best picture winners that I haven't seen and I probably will never see because I really don't care about those genres. I would rather watch Vision Quest, where Matthew Modine <laughs> is a high school wrestler who's trying and to. And Madonna
2: sings crazy for you. Yeah, and, and he's banging Linda, <laughs> Linda Fiorentino, Fiorentino or whatever. Yeah.
1: Um, and not because I ever had the hots for Matthew Modine, ever, let the record show.
3: Or Linda Fiorentino.
1: Or Linda Fiorentino. <laughs> yeah. or, Madonna. or Madonna. But um, I would rather watch that than the English patient. Hey, the, I don't care I mean, that English patient won best picture.
2: Well, yeah, but again, we're back to the Oscars and how they don't really mean anything. It's like, yeah, but a lot I, of movies. But, but no, no, I, I know what you mean because, like, there are there are movies that that you feel like you should see, but then it's like when the when push comes. And there are a out,
1: lot of those every year.
2: Do you want to plop down on your sofa and watch it? You know, and and yeah. that's the thing. Like, I've probably seen I've seen the Apple more times than I've seen anything that Ingmar yeah. Bergman ever made. And well, how about
1: <laughs> which have you seen more, the Apple or the Room?
2: Uh, probably the apple, but it's kind of a toss-up. Yeah, okay. um, but you know, uh, like for example, when I turned forty five years ago, um, a bunch of friends four years
1: ago, sweetie. Five in May. Yes, but not yet. <laughs> okay, fine. <four. laughs> he's, round, he's rounding up. <laughs> Hold on to that with your fingernails.
2: Um, anyway, a bunch of my friends got together, and they gave me that Janus Films box set that came out, that 50 years, 50 years. Yes, DVDs. and that's that's
1: spelled J-A-N-U-S, folks. Yep. Not Janus. Not, not from the Muppets. <laughs> not a drag queen. <laughs> exactly.
2: Um. And, you know, and so it, it, this was, you know, Janus Films had really brought a lot of the important foreign films to the U.S. in the 50s and 60s. So this box has like, you know, Kurosawa's Ikiru and, um. Right. You know, uh, Bergman's wild strawberries and, and, you know, like fires on the plane and ashes and diamonds, all these really sort of like kind of heavy right. movies. And Dave very smartly said, okay, left to your own devices. You are never going to watch these. You are never going to sit on right. the sofa and be like, Oh, I want to watch, you know, the life and death of Colonel Blimp. Like, right. you know, right. so what we started doing was we had what, what Dave calls fancy movie night, which is once <laughs> a month. Dave will make dinner. We invite over everybody who, who pitched in on the, the DVD set. Right. And we will watch one of those movies, and we have, we 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 miss. Okay, a now lot hang so on, I scheduling... just want to put a
1: pin in something. What? By the way, let the record show that left to his own devices, Bill, and he he is left to his own devices because <laughs> I'm not fucking doing it. Bill Condon will watch those movies, <laughs> right? Um, Dave has the right approach, but what I would need, and what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Is what exactly does Dave cook?
0: It depends. Because yes. the way to get
1: me to watch fucking Ikiru or whatever is macaroni and cheese. It's well, I need so I need to be guaranteed of some fucking pleasure. Yeah. If I'm not sure You're that like, I'm going to get it, it's it from is, the three and need, a half hours of fucking black and white torture. I need some
3: lowbrow low me before I get all yeah, this fucking no, highbrow. Totally. It is always
2: yeah. it is always tasty and not like. Ter- terribly challenging in, in, right, okay. in that respect you know he'll make like that nigella lawson recipe that involves like you know cooking bacon in the oven and then tossing it with like you know, spaghetti and Italian parsley and olive oil and right. Parmesan cheese. You know, right? Awesome. It's not. It's not like you know, little severe squares up. of yeah. yeah. So yeah, no. It's always it's
1: it's Dave it's, White for the win.
2: It is comforting, delicious food. But yeah, so and and the thing is, obviously, it varies wildly from month to month. You know, right. we've had ones where two people showed up or one right. person showed up. We've had ones where like everybody but one person left during the bathroom break in the middle. Because it, it was depends just on
1: whether lover. or not they get around to they find yeah. a moment in their day to read the synopsis of what they're going over to see at your apartment that night. Uh, right. Yeah. As to whether or not they like, show up. Yeah.
2: So, like, you know, like, <laughs> Ivan the Terrible Part 2 did not pack them in. Um, but it's been great because yeah, on my own I would, like, think, oh, I need to watch these then I would never yeah. do it. But this is you sort need of to like eat your fruits and vegetables. Way. Exactly. Like, this yeah. is how I get my broccoli. Criterion, yeah. criterion helps me with that because I'll now
3: arbitrarily just buy a Criterion I've never heard of or seen if it looks mm-hmm. cool. And you know what I mean? Because all I, left on my own devices, all I would do is watch Crank 2 over and over exactly. and over again.
1: And, yeah. Uh, and voltage. masturbate. And oh, God. God what what's all, the difference?
3: Yeah. That biling does it for me.
1: <laughs> um, I feel like there was a point in time, and Bill talks about this, where you could keep up with movies. He's also got a complete collection, thanks in part to me and my <laughs> diligence on Amazon, of Screen World. Ah. One volume per year every movie that received theatrical distribution in North America during that calendar year as meticulously recorded by Gordon Willis (laughs) with a black and white still illustrating. And yes, he usually did have the Academy Award winners for that year. Right. But, um, Again, after the advent of home videos, stuff started going straight to video. Good, some good stuff. Yeah. How do you keep up with that stuff? international
2: cinema opened up wildly. Unbelievable. I mean, like Peter Bogdanovich. I've read interviews with him from the early '70s where he talks about how he had seen at that point like 80 or 90 percent of every movie that had ever been made. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, like he would, you know, apparently. Back before he was a filmmaker, like Jerry Lewis would let him use the, his screening room at Paramount, and he would just go run movies all the time. And yeah. so he caught up on all that stuff. And yeah, that right. was the last period where you could actually have seen
1: and you could, yeah,
2: a, a, a quorum of all the films that had ever been made. Now Definitely. it's impossible.
1: It's impossible. So what do you focus on? You focus on the subjects that are that you interesting are in. sure. to you. And unfortunately, as a result of that, and this is just a reality of adult life, is like, yeah, there are profound movies just like there are profound novels there are profound works of theater there are prof- profound pieces of music that you will likely never experience unless someone really puts it on your plate yeah. and forces you with a big helping of <laughs> bacon tossed spaghetti <laughs> and and to some, eat it and,
2: and then sometimes those broccoli movies wind up being phenomenal Great and exciting and life-changing yeah. and i mean yeah. like you know did i went to go see the clock when they showed it at uh lacma last year that 20 we have hour not done that yet and it's coming back yeah it's coming back in march i can't wait i yeah. sat there for nine hours we just one, one bathroom to, break do you
1: know ellen Steloff? i do not Al, albert Berger's wife and who's do you know albert? who albert Berger is no a bit while I pull I'm, I'm not Wait, a It's a twenty-four she
2: hour.
3: It's a twenty-four hour film. She did it.
1: She did it for like nine the, hours the, too. The
2: premise of the film is that basically it's all clips from other movies, and in every clip that you're seeing, there is somewhere either visually or in the dialogue the time, and the time that you see in the movie always matches the time. Real it really time? is wow. Yeah. So, like, you're watching it at, like, I, I started watching at 4.30 in the afternoon, and at 5 o'clock, there were all these e- clips of people, like, punching out at work and, you know, driving home. And then at 6 o'clock, there were clips of people punching out at work and going home. And at 7 o'clock, same thing. And then, like, midnight, there were all these shots of, like, you know, uh, clock towers and stuff striking oh. midnight. and But even at, like, 2.13 in the morning, there would be scenes where, like, the phone rings in the middle of the night and, you know, the, the alarm clock says 2.13. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, it must have taken just an army of editors to put this together, but... It's 24 hours long. And, and yeah, I, I, I was there for nine hours. I went to the bathroom once and I was captivated because it just becomes this thing where not only you're sort of fascinated to see like what movies you recognize or who, you know, what people and films you recognize, but you just, it, it becomes this sort of endless, not suspense exactly, but you're like, what's, what's 433 going to be like? What, yeah. What's, what's going to be, what's going to be the 434 clip, you know? Yeah. And,
1: uh, yeah, I could have stayed longer. I had to get up for a screening. It's a great stay. thing about living in Los Angeles or, New York, York London, or, Paris, a yeah. city where that would get something like the clock is we do get those things. They do come to the art museum here. Yeah. Whatnot. yeah Albert it. Berger, just to circle back around because oh, I right, never like to leave loose threads. We ran into him and his wife going into The Woman in Black the other night. Um, him and his wife, that's correct. Produced King of the Hill for Steven Soderbergh, oh. Election, oh. The Wood, Pumpkin, Cold Mountain, Bee Season, Little Miss Sunshine, Little Children, Hamlet 2. Interesting, mix. great guy, wonderful, wonderful uh, woman, and she was she was the latest. Now you're officially the latest. You've taken the mantle, <laughs>
2: but yeah, but it's like you're you urging hear, us to go. You to the hear clock. a 24 hour movie, and you just think like, oh, uh, so you know Warholian experience. Well, you just dip in. I, I started at 4.30. but most people
1: don't dip in with the expectation that they're going to be dipping out nine hours later.
2: Yeah, I didn't really know how it was going to go. I didn't know if I was going to like maybe leave and get dinner and come back yeah. or something. Yeah, I started watching at four thirty. Like I said, one bathroom break. And then at 1.30, I was fine. like, okay, I could keep going, but yeah. I really got to go. And it was for the, for the evening, it was packed. It was the yeah. kind of thing. It was at the Bing theater at LACMA and it was literally we were sort of like. Like, they wouldn't let two people in until two people left. That's like, right. every seat was accounted yeah, for. Yeah, it's interesting. You've and not then, heard about this myself. No, it sounds amazing. Though. It's a sensation. Yeah, I would yeah. definitely do that. And then, yeah. like, by about one o'clock in the morning, it got very empty. And I remember reading on Facebook, like, Hadrian from Family went at 2 a.m. Yeah. And he was like, you know, when the diehards showed up so and what's was, awesome. it was very empty, yeah. you know. So this time they're doing it in March. And I think it's from noon on a Saturday to noon on a Sunday, which means back at to, LACMA. Yeah. So I have LACMA to go LACMA folks, I to,
1: Los I, Angeles I, County Museum of Art on right, Wilshire Boulevard in the Miracle Mile.
2: So I have to go at noon, watch four and a half hours, and then at four thirty I can go take a nap right. or eat or whatever, and then go back at one thirty AM and pick up Ray. Right can I give
1: you a recommendation? Shoot. At four thirty. There's a huge producer, Ray Stark. Mm-hmm. Um funny girl. That's right. I think maybe karate kidder was that Jerry Weintraub. I Jerry think Wintraub. that's Jerry Weintraub. Um Ray Stark died, I don't know, in the last five, ten years. Mm-hmm. His daughter, Wendy. Yeah. Has just opened two Restaurants in that central plaza. Oh, at right. LACMA. over by the lampposts. One like is called, a- unsurprisingly, Ray's. Mm-hmm. And the, the space adjacent to it is called Stark Bar. Right. Really, really, really nice. Hmm. Good food, indoor, outdoor seating on the plaza there at LACMA by the historic street lamp. Um, installation. Installation. And kind of not necessarily right now in February, but when the weather gets a bit warmer, by even by Los Angeles standards. Like a great place to eat outside and people watch.
2: Yeah, I, I went to... Especially on
1: a weekend night. I went, to
2: a, I went to a dinner there once for uh, uh, Dawn Hudson, actually, when she that's left right. Film Independent to yep. go... Were you at that? Bill was there. I was not at
1: that dinner. Bill was okay. seeing Dawn this week.
2: Um, anyway, it was very nice, and it was... She uh runs the...
1: She's the director, executive director of the uh, Academy, Academy now. The Academy now, yeah. Replacing Bruce Davis. Right. Right.
2: But yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, may, I may do that. I mean, obviously it's... Yeah, that's okay, where you I'll go. Have, I mean, it's, nine nine that's what's great about
1: LACMA there. is now they have two great restaurants. Yes. Right there.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, we got the Broad and there's, yeah, the absolutely whole lot of stuff happening over there. Yeah. And I, I guess during the day is where the, there's all those food trucks that line up. Yeah, which Wilshire is its own
1: well. other Los Angeles. I, other cities have the food truck, truck culture the way now, we, yeah.
2: did that start in Los Angeles? I, I, L.A. or New York, or maybe kind of simultaneously. Uh, I think
3: L.A., because New York always had, like, Mr. Softy and, like, the the halal trucks and shit like that. But they I don't think they – L.A. definitely started the gourmet Like the banh mi and
1: the the Korean Can bar- you guys Kogi um truck
2: and all that. Kogi.
1: Can you guys – this is of interest to me, and my friend Adam Cook has only just gotten into this. My, uh, Keith Clark has also gotten into this. Can you guys do, like, five or ten minutes on this for – our listenership who don't live in Los Angeles or don't live in a city like New York or... As far as the food truck scene? Food truck, food truck culture, in case you may not have heard of it out there. Yeah, like, it's, well, just I mean, explain like, it to like people. Like, if,
2: if you watch Happy Endings, which is set in Chicago, one of the characters there has started, like, a steak sandwich truck. Um, it's, I think, for a lot of...
1: Didn't exist five years ago, right? Yeah, no, it's no. a relatively new
2: phenomenon. It's become sort of an entrepreneurial thing for restaurateurs where if you don't want to invest in the brick and mortar and the staffing and all the things that are involved in opening a restaurant, right. you can have kind of a lean and mean version where it's a, a food truck, basically, you know, like the kinds that those sort of roach coaches that you see pull up at, you know, construction sites where they usually would just have sandwiches sure. or tacos or whatever. Sure. Now you can find them to have just like anything imaginable. Like in LA, there's a, there's a buttermilk pancake truck. There's a, there's a, a an architecture themed ice cream truck cool house, cool house. <laughs> um, the louis b count named after rem Coolhouse. yeah, yeah right. all, all the all the flavors are named for like famous architects hilarious um you know there's there's a like i said there's a banh mi these there's Vietnamese a sandwiches. truck
3: there's there's literally i think there's like 400 trucks and yeah operating you, you, in you the name LA it any kind
2: of sub you know and like you know and sort of hybrids like korean barbecue tacos you know or right uh, southern yeah, Southern, southern, southern fried, fried chicken
1: and that, like, you know, but We pudding. saw a lineup over right across from one of the gates at Universal. Mm. They were all lined up and is do you often see them all lined up in a collective like yes. that? Yes,
2: A lot of times, yeah. Like, like, like I said, I think on Friday afternoons, they, they all park, park together. They all together over by by LACMA. But then sometimes like they all tweet so that you know where That's they're going That's the only be. way to follow them.
3: They tweet every day. You can also book them out. Like when we had the Smod Castle, we uh-huh. used to have food trucks on yeah, every Yeah, no, I remember. That was one of the highlights. So we yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And <laughs> no, I mean that was that was an added bonus thing of was It was, was definitely,
3: yeah, no, totally. be definitely fun for there. me. Um, but I, I've noticed that they've started like uh, a lot of gas stations or parking lots. Now, like one night a month, will turn it into like a food truck thing where they invite like eight or nine trucks that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like if you they go to something like out.
2: L.A. Art Walk, they'll have, there'll be a thing where like six or seven will park in a circle and right. you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. And, there, and there's also the giant ones where it's like every truck, there's that thing down um downtown
3: L.A., I forget what it's called. But
2: oh, it, yeah. did like a big sort of culinary like a, uh, convention thing.
3: of all the trucks. So it's like 60 trucks in one day and 60. I, I went to go by dude there were people lined up for like eight hours yeah to get it's into bananas I was trying to
2: get into one of those i didn't even i, I wow. drove by i know is yeah. tried to
1: go and it's just like it's too crazy not tom ford who we need to famous on tom podcast ford friend, yeah, not tom ford, tom ford the designer slash movie director <laughs> no, slash
2: our tom ford who knows how to button his shirt
1: Was a um, visual effects producer yes um
2: no but they're really they're really cool and um
1: and aren't there certain if you follow them there are. Through their tweets. Aren't there certain blogs?
2: I say there are that websites that consolidate that, that information. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 Do you know are, what they are? and Twitter. I don't know. Not off the top of my top head. Much, but, but I'm sure minutes. if you Google LA food truck, you know, right. like, uh, or, or New York food they
3: truck, they have apps, they have apps that, like, aggregate all the trucks into one thing. So you'll see where every truck is every day. You could click it down like that. You know, right. I,
2: I know another place where they tend to, to gather is, uh, on Sunset Boulevard where like CNN and Amoeba are. Tons uh, of time. Right. A lot of weekdays. They'll Mel- go at lunchtime.
3: Meltdown Comics usually has one in, in front of it most nights now that they have the Nerdist theater thing.
1: Uh, and the Nerdist, by the way, we're well over an hour now, but that's what's great that's about, what about podcasting is who gives a fuck. <laughs> Let's just deviate for a second. So I've been subscribing for a long time to Geek Chic Daily. Yeah. Yes. GCD. Yeah, my friend Luke which was for them. Which financed in part by Peter Goober. Really? Yep. Interesting. But they just, they're calling it. In this mornings, it's a free email that you can sign up for. They also started Geek Chic LA, and I don't know that they do it for other major metropolitan areas. But they just this morning announced that they've basically rebranded the thing in the direction of the Nerdist.
3: They partnered with my buddy of mine, Brian Walton, uh, actually is is the head of Geek Chic now. He took over a few months ago, and yeah, they partnered up with Hardwick, and I think that's a new direction, yeah. So uh,
1: can you explain to me Chris Hardwick and the Nerdist?
3: What, what it is in general? It's a podcast. I mean, that's okay. what it started as. It was, it's a where? It's, he's turned into a whole It's an empire franchise. now. It it was, yeah, there,
2: he's a book now. And, it, I mean, he's got two, three
3: TV shows. It was a podcast with um Chris Hardwick, uh, a guy named Joan Naray, and a guy named Matt Myra, who he met from doing the show uh, Web Soup, I think. They were writers. Okay. And it just started, like, three geeky friends just chatting. And then over. it's only been around for, like, a year and a half, I think, actually, which is kind of wow. amazing. Wow. It's had a meteoric rise. And, um, they've had like Zach Galifianakis and like, well, we they have huge guests. Right. And they recently, acquired, um, became partners with Meltdown Comics. Right. So they have a theater now on Sunset Boulevard.
1: In the back of Meltdown it's called Comics. Called Nerd Melt. The Melt, Meltdown yeah. Comics nerd shop. Melt. I'm
3: actually doing my show. I'm starting to do Bagged and Boarded from there, uh, next oh, really? month. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, good on you. Really cool. Um, yeah,
2: there's like a small handful of people who sort of figure out how to monetize nerd culture. Like, Chris Gore is one of them, and I think Hardwick is one
1: of them. Chris and, Gore from first from fil- film film Threat. Threat. originally
2: from Film Threat, and then from uh, I think he's on Attack of the Show now, and just G four stuff. Yeah, yeah, blocks. and he has he has. Do you know do you know about his his new podcast? I don't. It's called Pod Crash with Chris Gore, and basically the premise is that he's too lazy to do his own podcast, so he goes on other people's podcasts, and then takes his bits from them and 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 that's his show that's interesting yeah so you know it's it's a clear way to do it and he doesn't just do film shows he goes on like sex talk or you know knitting whatever they do. yeah why not He'll, he'll do it and that's his show
1: interesting okay so so now that chris hardwick and the nerdist have parked at meltdown comics a food truck is also parked in front of oh, Meltdown right. Comics. Like every, cause
2: they have shows almost every night.
3: Well, then over they're,
1: there. They, yeah, so they know there are going to be people same, there.
2: Yeah, yeah so yeah, in the daytime, they go to where the workers, like, are grabbing lunch, and then at night, they go to night spots where people are going to. They're always know, by that right. Hustle, that Hustler building on Wilshire.
3: Is it the Hustler building? Uh.
1: Larry Flint's the actual yeah, Hustler Flint, Flint, headquarters. Flint so they're always, yeah, parked out, they're always on.
3: parked outside of that thing. I mean. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, interesting. There's, There's a few there.
1: spots. Um. LA, and, you know, and, great and some city. of them
2: are awesome, and some of them are not so great, you know it's like anything else,
1: but what's your favorite Alonzo <laughs> Alonzo, like myself, is a foodie of the middleist order, <laughs> I would you, guess I right we were going for instance, that. this motherfucker, <laughs> irrespective of the fact that I've been getting up at six thirty in the morning and pounding the Mount Doom Trail at Runyon Canyon uh-huh. and then going for an hour and a half. With my fucking trainer, Alonso shows up. I'm your enabler with food because quote I'm from the south and that's what we do. We don't
2: show up anywhere empty. He
1: shows up today with a six pack of San Pellegrino, <laughs> pronounce it Pompelmo.
2: I, I guess so. It's a but it's grapefruit in grapefruit Italian, soda.
1: And check this, Matt Cohen.
3: What do we got? I'm seeing I'm seeing a bag. Here we go.
1: Petite écolaire.
3: Oh, he brought out the petite écolaires. <laughs>
1: um. I'm well aware. Chocolate, dark chocolate dipped European biscuits. They're delicious. Well
3: aware. And. You're welcome, by the way. Oh,
1: shit. <laughs> Hostess fucking ding-dongs. You're
3: set now, dude. I come correct.
1: You're set. Are you going to have any of this shit? I will would, would share some if you guys want. Try all our delicious varieties <laughs> of trans fats. Um. <laughs>
3: So the podcast ends the hostess party. uh, Alonso and I know
1: how to rock the roadfood.com Exactly
3: for Um, the best
1: buttermilk fried water buffalo in south carolina <laughs> so what's your favorite what what are uh, your top two or three been food trucks I to a bunch of them but like you know
2: i i went to the kogi truck which is sort of the first of the biggies and i don't know if that's sort of fluctuated in quality but when i went it was great and it was really tasty what's and the cuisine it's basically it's korean barbecue but Taco. in burritos and tacos okay um, and, you know, and I'm not a big fan of kimchi, but they managed to sort of work it into a way that, uh, that worked for me and it was okay. spicy and, you know, like in a burrito with the pork, you know, it was great. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember because there were a bunch that I went to when we used to go to Smodcastle, Castle, and I'm forgetting now which ones they were. But like, I've had some really good sliders from some different trucks. Right. Uh, I've had some good banh mi, those 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 Vietnamese pork sandwiches. The grilled right. cheese truck is pretty awesome. I've always wanted to go to the grilled cheese truck. I've never had
3: mm-hmm. so it. Grilled, grilled cheese truck is how is it possible that there's only one
1: grilled cheese truck? That makes no sense. Because okay,
3: they they well, were the first. It's I mean, called the grilled cheese but truck. I mean, there were, may be other trucks. They were one of the originals. Um, there's a place there. Uh, there's a meatball truck which is amazing. Oh, nice. There's a bacon truck,
2: uh, Lardon,
3: can't, I think it's called.
1: Bacon-flavored yeah. lube.
3: You
2: can't go wrong with it. Well, that's no,
1: just bacon-flavored bacon. Even you won't go there? Bacon-flavored uh, lube. You and Dave White, no bacon-flavored lube I, on the nightstand?
2: I don't really see the point of flavored lube. I kind there's of a
1: whole like... st- there's a strip of bacon floating in the fucking bottle, dude. <laughs> okay, are you serious? I'm not Seriously? kidding. That's fucking awesome. It's bacon. Yes. But, no wait, but does
2: it, wouldn't, isn't, doesn't bacon fat like wear away latex? I mean, wouldn't that be sort of counterintuitive? Isn't it oil where's the latex yeah is, la- is, is
1: lube made of latex what do i know no,
2: if you're you usually if you're oh, using, if you're lube using again, a condom the condom is sex. made of latex
1: yeah hang on i'm looking it up <laughs> how about bacon flavored lube for dogs just <laughs> <laughs> bacon flavored condoms sausages
3: so the moral of this episode is go out there and get yourself some bacon flavored sex, bacon flavored vodka folks <laughs> i've had bacon vodka it's good. I have bacon toothpaste.
1: Yeah, J&D's Bacon Lube. Go hog wild in the sack with bacon lube. Lord. They also make a's and bacon salt. Bacon flavored lube, what every sex pig needs for a sizzling good time.
2: That's the thing. Imagine the, the smell once it starts heating up, as it were. Um, <laughs> that could be kind of disconcerting. Or would I just distracting, if anything else. Have, have, you been, have you been to a short order yet?
1: To what burger? Short order. Short order. No.
2: It's Nancy Silverton's burger place that opened at, uh, at the farmer's market. Is that the Grove? Yeah. I live right. I saw that.
3: I live yeah. right by there. It's the like next to, there.
2: next to Dupar's. Is it okay. good. Really great. Yeah. Really. And, and you can, and you can get it to go. Like you don't have to go in and sit down. Interesting. But they, when you said Lardon, that, that's, they have a, they do a kind of a pork burger that's uh, called. It's that.
3: awesome. Umami does that with the manly burger or whatever with the, oh, yeah. the bacon lardons and the.
1: Is Umami LA only too? Yes. Uh,
2: I think
3: that, it is. Umami burger. Are, yeah, but there's
1: U M A. I think, I, it's,
2: I think it's starting to spread out. I think
3: the, I think Miami maybe actually. Or now New, New York York I think about it. it. I,
1: I
2: read somewhere that it's opening in other cities. And I always ask if they have the cheesy tater tots. Yes. Because they're not always on the menu, yes. but sometimes they will make them for you anyway. And
3: they're
1: and they're awesome. This, There's
3: the one opening in the Grove too.
2: Really? An umami Burger, okay. yeah, right. And
3: the all green. The cheesy one.
1: flavor. You always ask for cheesy flavored tater tots at Umami Burger. Yes. This pod. This episode has just justified its existence. <laughs> <laughs> actually. There it is. Episode Cheesy flavored. Cheesy. Cheesy cheesy tater tots. Cheesy tater tots. Cheesy tater tots. For the win. (laughs) Who wouldn't listen to that episode (laughs) title? That's it right there. It does
2: sound better than Imprimator.
1: (laughs) Um, I wasn't going to be able to spell that or remember it either. I'm not going to lie. I smoke a lot of pot. Alonso, you're on Twitter.
2: Yes, sir. Uh, A-Duralde. A-D-U-R-A-L-D-E.
1: On Twitter. Do you have any other... um, URLs, uh, sites, I, anything I'm, that you uh, want to pin. You
2: can follow the Linoleum podcast at Twitter at Linoleumcast. At Linoleumcast, and we have a we have a Facebook page. And you can read my reviews at therap.com, T H E W R A P and What The Flick uh has its own channel at YouTube.
1: Right. Matt Cohen. Camel Toad. Pimp your other ship for a change, uh, like every four episodes. And boarded, yeah, bag and boarded, boarded on the network.
3: On the network, I'm midnight. I do on the network. Uh, I produce more stories and and this fine show. Of course, I'm involved with um my YouTube channel. I just partnered up with Machinima, who's like the world's biggest uh video provider, and and they get like three billion views a month. So I'm a partner and a director there now. So I have no a bunch shit. of like uh. Web series and, like, just me playing video game, that kind of stuff. (laughs) So if you go to YouTube.com slash Camel Toad Productions and subscribe, I'm doing a lot of video content these days.
1: Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Team Jack on Facebook. Look us up. Look for the illustration. On Twitter, Jack underscore Morrissey. But mostly I'm tweeting lately from Team underscore Jack, where we answer all your sizzling, hot, (laughs) bacon-flavored Breaking Dawn questions. Now for Breaking Dawn Part 2. Bacon Dawn. Um, Greg Yolen is not with us. He's answering Bill Conant's phones today. He is Greg Yolen on Twitter, Y O L E N. And I guess that's a wrap for this episode, right? What's up? Episode eighteen or nineteen?
3: Nineteen, we said, right?
1: So next episode is twenty. Oh shit. What the f anyway the Tuesday. Twos- <laughs> cheesy Tater Tots. Guest starring Alonzo Duralde and Matt Cohen.
2: Thanks for out. Time.